7 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, 10 p.m. Eastern Eastern time. time. This is Chris. Chris. Jay. Jay. Vincent. Vincent. And And we're coming to you live tonight tonight, like like we always always come come to you live. live. We are live live every night, 365 365 days a year. Without without fail, fail, whether whether it is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, whether whether it is Easter, Easter, whether it's Christmas, Christmas, whether it's New Year's Eve. We're here. And we're always here. Um, um, and, and we like, we to, bring like to bring things, things in. in. We, we like, like to have some, have some things, things to, talk, to about. talk about. And are you getting, are you getting this echo, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're going to talk, talk to, to our, our uh, in-house, in-house engineer, engineer Michael, Michael, a guy who doesn't, who doesn't get nearly, get nearly enough credit. credit. Michael's, Michael's going to fix all that for us. That's all right. That's so all right. I'm just so going to take, take off my headphones, headphones for this part. For this part. But, but uh, as, uh, we as we are wont, wont to do, to do we'd, we'd like to bring, like in, to bring stories in stories, too, uh, uh, so we can, so can kind of get, get the party started, 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 if you will. If you will. Uh, we uh, invite we your invite calls, calls 855 or you can reach us on Discord. Discord will make you sound like you are in the studio with us. You can find a link to Discord at and, uh, and uh, you know, you know I've, I've, I've just, I've just, I know it's, I know been, it's talked been talked about on the show, but we haven't really talked about this, this new green deal, which sounds like a good deal. It sounds like something, uh, marijuana advocates would push like the green new deal. Am I right? Well, I mean, I think that AOC herself, I mean, just seems to me like she couldn't be any more obvious that she's like just some kind of plant just to stir up the pot. I mean, I don't know. I think the Republicans have put her there. They love her. She's <laughs> just like so ridiculous. I I mean, that's just what I see her as. Okay. So by that logic, one could say that Donald Trump is also a plant by the Democrats. Sure. I mean, it, they just keep getting more ridiculous and more ridiculous. This is why I love Vermin Supreme so much, because he's honest about his ridiculousness. And I'm actually going to help Vermin campaign this year. I'm going to take one of my ponies. We're going to outfit her with assault rifles, with a saddle, and we're going to give little kids rides and hopefully get shut down by the cops. I love it, but you are going <laughs> to give give away toothbrushes, too. Uh, that's not my department. I'm just doing the whole assault rifle pony thing. Okay, well, I mean, Vernon Vermin Supreme has been very big on dental health, and that is an important plank. And uh, I, I see Vermin Supreme as as serious a contender uh, for the White House as anybody else. I mean, yeah, I mean, his pony plan is much less ridiculous than uh, any other government plan I've ever heard of. It would be cheaper than Obamacare, TARP bailouts. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot better than this uh, green plan for sure. I mean, well, let's let's talk you know. about that green plan because we'll, we'll get into some specific. We'll throw some dollar numbers out there, and you guys, you guys, the voting public. Uh, assuming young Vincent, you can now vote, correct? Yes, yes, for a while. For a while now, Chris. For, for a while, that's all right. I refer to him as young Vincent because I am old Chris. Uh, so we are two. Um, we, we've got like three generations between us. I think. I think I am still considered the great generation. You know, grew up the in so World called, War II. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, this comes to us from the Foundations for Economic Freedom, AOC's Green New Deal, U.S. version of Mao's disastrous leap forward. Support for this proposal demonstrates a profound ignorance of even basic economic concepts. And this is based on an article, I think, that was uh, first posted on Mises. 
in what its supporters have claimed is visionary, congressional media darling Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC as she is known, has released her short-awaited Green New Deal, and she has called for nothing short of the destruction of life as we know it. Representative, this is a quote, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said she has no qualms about acknowledging a so-called, quote, Green New Deal, unquote, will mean unprecedented government intrusion into the private sector. Appearing on NPR, she was asked if she's prepared to tell Americans outright that her plans involve, quote, massive government intervention, unquote. On one level, AOC is being honest. Such a plan would be unprecedented, at least in the United States, but it would hardly be the first government-led mass intrusion into the nation's economy. The 20th century was full of such intervention, beginning with World War I and continuing through the years of communist governments. The century was full of intervention, and the earth was full of the dead bodies to prove it. What AOC and her political allies, including most Democrats that have declared they're willing to run for the presidency, are demanding in the U.S. version is Mao's utterly disastrous Great Leap Forward. So what do you think? Uh, Can we compare AOC to Chairman Mao? I think Chairman Mao put more thought into his. Because at least what what he was uh, suggesting was at least was on some practical level able to be implemented compared to some of the things on at least from what I saw like the FAQ or I don't think it was from the official version but where it said uh, every single building in the United States is going to be remodeled to be environmentally friendly. Every single building. I think it sounds great. Well, the United States is defined by the federal government as a District of Columbia, so that sounds a lot more reasonable. This is the problem with talking with politicians. <laughs> I mean, are they talking in legalese? Are they using the definitions of, of words as prescribed by statute? No. Because they have not done that. They well, don't do that. They talk out of their backsides for the most part, and they make things up when it's convenient for them. There's nothing legal about anything. So, So I wonder if... If Mao made things up. But I'll tell you one thing that Mao uh, didn't have to worry about was an armed populace. That's true. You know, so it was pretty easy when you got a bunch of people who are, you know, jacked up on fluoride vaccines and no guns that, you know, (laughs) and they probably didn't even have that stuff in China, but they just didn't have guns at that time. That they did not. For all the so-called specifics, the Green New Deal, or GND, reads like a socialist website that is full of rhetoric, promises, and statements that assume a bunch of planners Sitting around tables can replicate a complex economy that feeds, transports, and houses hundreds of millions of people. The New York Times declares the plan to give, quote, substance to an idea that has been mostly vague, uh, mostly a vague rallying cry for a stimulus package around climate change, but it promise, its promises are uncertain, unquote. Actually, there is nothing we can call substance in the proposal if we mean substance to be a realistic understanding that it would be impossible to redirect via central planning nearly every factor of production in the United States from one set of uses to another, since that is what the proposed legislation actually requires. For example, the following is AOC, what AOC and others call the, quote, scope of the proposed law. A, the plan for a Green New Deal and the draft legislation shall be developed with the objective of reaching the following outcomes within the targeted window of 10 years. Okay, guys, 10 years. 
because we're, we're going there's going to be a quiz at the end of this uh, from the execution of the plan one dramatically expand existing renewable power sources and deploy new production capacity with the goal of meeting 100% of national power demand through renewable resources. First one to Jay. Can we do this in 10 years? Uh, yeah, I guess if you grew up, uh, you know, raised on a cartoon generation watching <laughs> anime, I mean, how old is this lady? She's in her 20s, right? She has a degree in economics. Yeah, well, that I should that point means, that out, That means too. nothing. What do you mean it means nothing? This, this is why I'm doing man camp, because everybody's going to college. <laughs> You know, to get these useless degrees. I mean, do you know how many engineers I know that literally can't change a tire on their car? They have no clue of, like, uh, you know, just things that we learned on the farm. It's just like, I mean, even like Yahoo and Google and these guys a couple years ago, they're like, we're not hiring you Hiring you if you have a master's degree in some nonsense just because, right? you know, it's just, it's so ridiculous. But 10 years to redo everything. And Marx is the most taught uh, e- economist in economic classes in the United States, I believe. I'd, I would say Marxist-inspired ideas. Are uh, from what I heard, it's Marx himself, that he's, or he's the most, uh, his writings are the most um, assigned interesting and we're going to google that and we will report back but what do you guys think is aoc crazy is the green new deal realistic can everything she wishes to accomplish in 10 years be accomplished without bankrupting every last one of us that's the question i pose it to you our listening audience 855 450 free this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, coming to you live like we do every night, 855-450-3 or 855-450-3733, or hit us up on Discord at discord.lrn.fm. My name is Chris, I'm your host tonight, and we also have Jay and Vincent, and we've been talking about AOC. You know, this this is the future. Vincent, I, I normally look at you because he's the youngster here. Sure. I, I look to Vincent as as our future, but I've got to say a lot of people believe it's AOC. They believe that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has all the answers that we older folks, we people in older generations, we, we're just not getting it. We need to embrace modern monetary theory. Well, I wouldn't say anything's modern about Keynesianism or communism. I mean, who do you, th- you know, talk about people believing her over old people? Who who do you think instructed her in all that stuff? Where do you think she learned all that stuff? From a bunch of old people, a bunch of from, Marxist professors. From old Marxists. But there is a new thing, and everybody out there has probably heard the term Keynesianism or Keynesian economics. If you took an e- economics class in, in a college in the last 50 years, you were likely taught Keynesian uh, economic theory that is basically what is taught and has been taught for most of this well certainly all of this century the last century most of the last century too because Keynes's goal was to make economics sexy again Uh, most people have ever taken macroeconomics uh, will beg to differ on that Um, but the idea being and Keynesian thought if you could boil it down I would boil it down to simply this we will offer government everything they want to hear 
And that's pretty much what Keynesianism does. It says that if you want to have economic growth, we cannot have savings because people just hoard their money and stuff it under their mattress like they did back in the gold days. What we need is for there to be velocity, high velocity in money, and and money must exchange hands often. And that's what really shows us what the economy is doing, how fast money is flying around. We also want to make sure that we count important things like government spending as reflective of our economic health. And that's what our GDP is mostly based on, is how much did the government spend. Folks, if this does not make any sense to you, uh, join us, because I don't think this stuff makes any sense to anyone. I could help it make a little sense. You think it does make sense? No, I said I could help it make a little sense. I mean... (laughs) Ignore it all. what, What we have here is, you know, so all these colleges and, you know, education institutions that are teaching Keynesian economics are literally... They're all government subsidized, sure. and the government is not going to teach you or teach an economic system and people how to use an economic system that doesn't require a government to force it and and of and course. all that stuff. They're not going to allow a go- you know uh, uh, basically us to have our own free market. And the best way to to uh, keep us from um, you know working without government is to is to constantly train and bombard the uh, people that this government is needed. This is why I, I rarely use the word government anymore. When I speak of government, I really like to say parasite <laughs> because I have yet to find someone to disagree with me that government is essentially a parasite. And if you look through history, these governments grow and grow and grow until the taxpayer can't handle it anymore. And then there's an absolute collapse. Uh, I, it's just, I mean, yes. just look at them, every one of them. And best I can tell. And if you want to know what's ahead for the United States in a Keynesian system, you can find plenty of examples to what is coming, and that is um, countries that become more and more socialist. So I hate to break it to you, President Trump, but but when you say, you know, socialism will never take root in America, socialism took root 100 years ago, and we're all... I won't say we are because we we profess to be somewhat enlightened. We're not enlightened. Don't listen to us and believe that we are going to offer you uh, absolute mind-blowing truths. What we are going to offer you are historical examples of why this system will fail, and it absolutely will fail. Can, can I explain uh, quickly the um, what I feel American socialism currently is and has been in my lifetime? Sure. Basically, each time... Uh, the government provides some service and writes someone a check. The government literally has to borrow money from the Federal Reserve Bank, which is a private institution. And because if we look throughout history, the um, national debt, for example, just let's talk federal government, just keeps going up and up and up. I mean, literally. Can I interject, though? Absolutely. Because you used a good example, first of all, when the government writes someone a check. Okay, so in Keynesianism, that's... That's part of the U.S. economy. That just caused a spike. Writing that check to somebody caused a spike in our GDP. So whatever they write <laughs> a check no for, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. Paying a teacher, you know, uh, f- you know, giving money to Israel because they need more money, whatever Bombing it is. Bombing a country, sure. Um, yeah, military check, anything. Uh, farm subsidies. But anyways, whenever the government uh, outputs money somehow, money 
literally has to be created out of thin air. And I hope most uh, of the listeners here understand fractional reserve banking and that the Federal Reserve essentially creates money out of thin air, lends it to the government at an interest rate. Well, I call this, this is United States exporting its negative effects of socialism. You know, we're not really starving to death here. We are paying taxes. You know, we're not getting, you know, dragged off the street because we, you know, say things negative about the government. I mean, they're taking guys like Ross Ulbrich who are going around the system sure. in very slick ways and putting them in prison for life and doing all that stuff like that. But I say the socialism, the bad parts of American socialism are exported to these countries that are getting bombed. And the reason I, I say that is the the dollar, the U.S. dollar has to be propped up around the world because every day more U.S. dollars are created so so the government can stay funded. It's the only way the government stays funded. Not by taxation, but by creation of money. Okay. And you're right. You're absolutely right on every point. And Jay, I know Jay follows uh, more of the Austrian school of economics. He, yes. He, yep. he knows what's behind the curtain. The idea, and I mentioned modern monetary theory before, and this is, this is Keynesianism on steroids. This is when... Because Keynes still, at some points, he actually talked about gold, and he wasn't completely against it. He thought there was a role for government control, but there was also a role for a free market. Modern monetary theory says, guys, who are we kidding? We're just going to print money, right? So let's just see money not as a commodity but as a tool. And that's how they treat it. Now, we treat it the same way, but we do basically give lip service to the idea that there is some oversight. Um, But this new thing, and you will hear about it a lot, modern monetary theory, 855-450-FREE. We're going to keep moving down our list and see uh, who who answered the last one. You did. Kind of. Okay. Well, it's all right. It didn't take long to shoot down. So let's see how long it takes for this one. Uh, Young Vincent, we would like you to build a national energy-efficient smart grid. Smart in quotes. Well, you wouldn't want a dumb grid, so might as well go with a smart ah, grid. Good point. So uh, so we're talking smart meters. We're talking basically smarting up the entire uh, electric distribution system. How many states do we have again? Is it still 50? Uh, it depends if you ask Obama or not. <laughs> 52, then. In our 52 nice states, how long would it take to upgrade our entire grid? That's the question to you, caller. Please give us a ring and let us know what you think. Is this doable? 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk. Bitcoin.com wants you to know about SaveItPurse.com. Since launching in 2014, over 200,000 users have saved an average of 15% for a combined $4 million using Bitcoin, or BTC. And now, you can use Bitcoin Cash, BCH, to fund your account. You can save between 5 to 33% on things you're going to buy anyway when you shop using SaveItPurse.com. Add items to your cart, fund your account, select your discount, and save. SaveItPurse.com. Save A-T- Purse.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. We're coming to you live from our studios in Key, New Hampshire, and we've been talking about AOC. And a little piece put together by the Foundation for Economic Education. And we're looking at a list 
uh, included in the article where AOC's Green New Deal is the U.S. versions of Mao's disastrous leap forward. So we've been just kind of picking our way through this. And I, Vincent, I think the last one was to you. Um, in 10 years, uh, under our current economic system, can we build a national energy-efficient smart grid? Well, I'm sure they could, or they as in, you know, the federal government or whatever you want to call it or whatever. uh, Yeah, I guess let's say the they as in the government. I'm sure they could. I mean, they're capable of building something that they call a smart grid. Is it (laughs) is it actually going to work in any way that in the way that AOC conceives it? If she say she's being sincere, let's try to put a dollar tag because this is talking about building a new national uh, national energy efficient smart grid. Um, I, energy efficiency, I mean, that couldn't have been the primary thought when they were running high-tension lines back in the 50s that are still in use today, right? You or, think we've got better materials now? Who should? You, one would think. So I'm going to say this is going to involve replacing a whole bunch of the existing grid in addition to slapping in some fancy new smart meters. Well, there's a lot of uh, union employees in this country that would love to see this True. happen. So uh, we're going to ballpark. Uh, let's throw out a guess. How, what's your bid? Will you do it for uh, ten trillion dollars? Oh, I, I was. Oh, wow! You're using bigger numbers than I figured. They'd like say they'd say it starts out as one trillion, and but eventually, <laughs> because no one really pays attention to these things, right? Eventually, the costs just go up and up and up. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, all right, Jay. This is going to be a little. Oh, go ahead. You I was going to say as, we, as we've learned throughout history. Everything that's done on a national level is an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, if you get anything, it should be uh, there should be you know community grids or regional grids. Sure. So, like you know, the the real I, the real thing I'd like to see is, for example, all these people have uh, oil burners and natural gas you know furnaces and propane furnaces here mm-hmm. in the Northeast. There's no reason why we can't have a you know ten horsepower in, internal combustion engine that that's going to create that heat and also mechanical. Uh, energy also using the infrastructure we already have the oil trucks are here we have natural gas pipelines bring it to the house you know propane delivery whoa 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 whoa, 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 whoa. those are fossil fuels those are bad for the environment we can't have any of that you fail right there this is Uh, the green new deal fossil fuel is an oxymoron (laughs) i'm sorry they're going down a mile into the earth's crust to uh extract the the this this stuff that is created by molecular processes and biology within the earth's crust and mantle that we don't really understand but i guarantee you they don't find dinosaur bones down there These <laughs> dinosaur bones are finding them like 15 <laughs> feet under the earth or what has been rock slides or what uh, you know a million years ago it's all we, do my, have, we have layers and yeah. layers upon layers of different of of, of nonsense <laughs> it could be nonsense um but jay this will be more up your alley i think because you're you're a handy guy i know that uh number three upgrade every residential and industrial building for state-of-the-art energy efficiency comfort and safety um so every building well what that sounds like to me is uh, let's comply with agenda 21 building codes uh, mm-hmm. So everybody has a, a, a smart meter, a smart thermostat, a smart refrigerator, a smart dishwasher, smart everything. Has cameras and microphones in every one of them. Allow me to repeat. Upgrade every residential and industrial building. That isn't, that isn't, that's more than policy. You, I agree with you completely that there will be international uh, standards like lean 
energy certifications and things like that. They These things exist. will be they do exist, but you're missing the key operative phrase. Upgrade every residential and industrial building. So you don't do that by waving some new standards at it. You do that by going in and replacing the windows. You replace no. th- this is hard cost. What's the carbon footprint of a brand new window? It's a lot. It's not the point. <laughs> what we're saying is we have to upgrade every residential industrial building. That is a hard cost. And that that is not that's not coming out and saying we need to adopt new standards put forth by the UN under Agenda Twenty One. This is saying we actually physically have to go into every single building, every residential and industrial building, and renovate it for state-of-the-art energy efficiency. So I'm going to ask uh, quick, Vincent, how many buildings are there in the United States? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's 300 million people, so uh, it's maybe around, I was going to say around 300 million, maybe less. That's a number. Sure. So let's make that our assumption. Let's do upgrades on 300 million buildings in 10 years at what cost? I, I can't even – this This is one of those in this list that will get progressively more insane. But the idea that you could upgrade every building in the United States and this is part of your plan. So I can tell you I've been upgrading my house that I bought. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the quote – to do the work I've done so far uh, by a building contractor who's got all the licenses and all the worksman comp and all that was literally like $160,000. And and there's more to be done. This is actually just, you know, fixing stuff. And, uh, you know, who's going to enforce this? How many more bureaucrats do they need? How many more men with guns have to be uh, here to make sure this happens? And we will need, we will need to follow standards. Um, just, I mean, just like building codes and things like that, there are standards for green buildings, and we're going to have to follow all those, which means there will be a level of central planning, uh, another layer of central planning, and then you're going to have to have enough bureaucracy that's going to track progress, track spending, because, you know, this isn't this isn't saying that everybody is responsible for doing that, even though I'm sure that's going to be a large part of it. The idea behind this is we're going to, put together a New Deal-type project that is going to address all these issues. And the workers are going to have to be paid a livable, wa- a living wage, so we're each going to get $33 an hour. Likely. There will be standards around that. Well, maybe there's more on that in here. Uh, let's see. Who are we to? Uh, back to you, Vincent. Uh, number four, eliminate greenhouse gas emissions from the manufacturing, agricultural, and other industries including by investing in local-scale agriculture in communities across the country. So you, Vincent, I've tasked you with a very messy job that is to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions from the agricultural sector. That means cow farts. Okay, I was going to say, so So animal husbandry is part of agriculture. I always imagined agriculture as being mainly like like plant-based and such, which well, you, need, you have emissions also, you know, the harvesters sure. and everything. So No, uh, and I don't have it in this article, but AOC has been ridiculed for 
wanting to tackle um, cow, cow well, farms. So because of the methane, so we're going to have to slaughter large amounts of animals, which probably the, the decomposition process, unless they're immediately processed, will also create a much more emissions. <laughs> so it looks like, uh, you know, you're just going to have to rip the Band-Aid off and kill all these animals as soon as possible, like mass scale, like ship them on boxcars, bring them into, uh, you know, gas them. Uh, Got to get rid of all these animals for the earth. Jay, you okay with that? Personally, I like steak. Uh, no, I'm not okay with any regulation, whatever. I mean, what what is a greenhouse gas? It is it's, gases that have been found to increase the temperature of the earth when they increase in volume. Well, based on some experiments that are taken completely out of context. Well, I'll tell you what, when when the earth is just a little bit warmer rather than a little bit colder, life is a heck of a lot better for pretty much everybody. Fewer people die. That's right. Yep. Fewer you, people die and... Uh, Guess what? CO2 is good for plants. Exactly. That's who would have thought? All right. Uh, who are we to? Back to Vincent? This would be my third in a row. Oh, my God. For a- Jay. What the heck am I doing here? Uh, let's see. Uh, Jay, when we get back, we're going to ask Jay about eliminating greenhouse gas emissions from repairing and improving transportation and other infrastructure and upgrading water infrastructure to ensure universal, universal access to clean water. Stay tuned because I know Jay has the answer for us. This is 855-450 free, free talk live. This is free talk live. And this is Chris in the studio with you. We are also joined by Jay and young Vincent. And we have been talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her attempt to... How, how do I summarize this? It's the Green New Deal, but I think I will characterize it as the largest possible intervention in our lives in history i'm I'm going to go out and say that the green new deal is a bigger intervention in our lives than the original new deal was well of course and in, in green new deal what is the absolute most opposite word of green what is the most absolute possible word of new and the absolute most possible word of deal because every government <laughs> You know, uh, it's always the opposite. It's, just, it's the worst possible scenario could be. Okay, so it's not new. It's old. It's old ideas. Yeah, this is socialist like central central planning. Uh, old old school central planning. Uh, it's not a deal because nobody's going to come out of this uh, with their skin left intact. Uh, we've just looked at some of the some of the ideas, and it's it's trillions and trillions of dollars and we haven't even got to the good stuff yet it's the same old tactics to enslave mankind but using the latest and greatest technology like every time i go to a grocery (laughs) store they're like do you have your you know your stop and shop card to swipe and i look at the lady and i say could you imagine um how 
how much further and how much better Hitler could have implement, implemented his ideas <laughs> you if do he not had say this technology. This. You don't say this to sweet little old ladies uh, at the grocery oh, store, do you? Little old ladies know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> it's the young, uh, you know, 20-something, 18-year-old that's like, right. oh, that can't happen here. Or right. you know, who Hitler, what? what are you? T- he killed people. What are you talking about? I'm just saying, yeah. wouldn't you like to save some money on your groceries? Well, I, I just use, I tell them to put in a whatever card. They always give you the discount. I, I don't carry right. any of those around. Right. And but they, I mean, just, I do, everything I do is to make people think. Right. I mean, there's literally every, you know, word that comes out of, of my mouth when I interact with the public is, let's build critical thinking skills because we really, really need them. And th- that's a great opportunity to open up someone's mind for just even a second. And they, it's a good one. And, and it's a seed to plant because somewhere down the road there, you know, it's going to come up again and maybe, you know, they'll hear, a, you know, they'll, they'll see me carrying a sign that says experts agree gun control works with, you know, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini and all those guys on it. Sure. For example. And that's good. Anytime you can start a conversation, that is a win. And a lot of those things will start a conversation. Uh, Another thing that will start a conversation is Bitcoin. And tonight we're brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is your premier source for everything Bitcoin related. Bitcoin.com can help you choose a Bitcoin wallet, buy Bitcoin, and show you where you can spend your Bitcoin. You can also read the latest news or engage in the community on the Bitcoin forum. Learn more at Bitcoin.com. And I want to thank Bitcoin.com personally for uh, helping sponsor local freedom events here in New Hampshire. They do a lot. Uh, th- this past weekend at Liberty Forum, we I uh, participated with uh, Jack Schimek in a 29, no, Expo, Alt Expo number 29, and Bitcoin.com and uh Free Talk Live actually sponsored the hotel room for us to uh, make it all happen. It was, that was really good of them. Excellent. Excellent. So I forget where we were at, Vincent. It was, it was so we were actually going to go to Jay? Yeah. We're going to go to Jay. Uh, yes, we did, and we had talked about uh, Jay was going to offer us the solution for eliminating greenhouse gases from uh, through repairing and improving transportation, other infrastructure, and upgrading water infrastructure to ensure universal access to clean water. And because I have read some of this, uh, part of eliminating greenhouse gas emissions means we have to do away with private uh, airplanes, uh, actually all airplanes. So air travel has to go, unfortunately. I hope nobody here was really tied to flying. Well, that, that's not entirely true. It's not all air travel. It's all air travel that relies on fossil fuels and releases carbon emissions, right? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, she did an interview about this where they just, okay. there has to be tech. They, the government has to invent technology to allow solar power planes. The government just has to invent it and then we could go back on planes again. Also, there's a solution. Well, actually, I like, uh, you know, Vermin's supreme solution is to um, the government needs to get working right now on genetically modifying monkeys with wings so they can go and have a tooth mandatory tooth inspection every couple hundred feet on the street. And also, the government will be mandated to make time travel a reality so we can go back in time and kill baby ISIS. Uh, I mean, you know, so um, if you're going to mandate all these other things, I mean, let's, isn't it more important we kill baby ISIS <laughs> and stop gingivitis? And this whole greenhouse gasting is a charade. Uh, we have a great caller that calls in here. Uh, what's the? Uh, oh, I forget his name. Christian Anarchist. Yes, I believe it was him. Gene, the Christian Anarchist, and mm-hmm. he had 
he had done calculations on the projected um, oil reserves and natural gas reserves around the world and, sure. and coal reserves. And he basically did some math, and I think he's got some kind of math guru, but um, it, but it was pretty simple the way he laid it out. And basically what he said is it would increase the CO2 like you know, a fraction of a percent of whatever it is. And um, that means the plants would just grow better. Right. So, you know, uh, but the, the two need- things and what I appreciate about, and I've had conversations with Gene too, what none of these take into consideration are volcanic activity. Correct. Which is a constant, can be a constant background and it can throw numbers way, way off. And none of it accounts for solar activity, which is another big one. Well, solar activity is what controls the actual temperature of the Earth, and everything fluctuates. It does. It does. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to go to Steve, who wants to discuss AOC. Steve in Exeter, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thank you. That's very good. I am very much enjoying the show today. We appreciate that. So what's the reason for your call? Well, I did want to discuss the politician, female black hair, known as Ocasio-Cortez. Okay, go ahead. I don't have so much time for this type of social media type thing. I like to do puzzles. Have you ever done a very challenging puzzle? Yes, I have. Can you move it along? You're, you're, we're really going to be running out of time here soon. Go ahead, Steve. I apologize uh, profusely to you, and I show uh, remorse as a normal person would, sir. Okay. Anything else? The hardest ones are the ones that are just all one color. That would make sense, and thank you for your call. Um, you, did, did you see if it was headline? That just reminds me of a headline where it said some some uh, ro- some robot was giving a core. It was like it, it was a robot imitating a human voice, giving some sort of lecture on morality. And you hear about all these weird things of like AIs just doing random calls, trying to like learn how to talk like people and stuff. I wonder if that was either either a very good troll or it was just some creepy, weird experimental robot calling in, trying to see if it could like. <laughs> You know, t- testing the limits of its algorithm to see if we could have a conversation with, uh, you know, like on was, the radio. Was that Amazon? <laughs> I wonder if you like Google New Hampshire City, if Exeter is the first one that pops up. <laughs> or if a guy just. That could well. be it. That could be it. Um, but back to our list. Let me see. Where were we at? Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, now are we back to you, Vincent? You're keeping track for me here, correct? I mean, it's just alternating. But okay. yeah, I guess yes, so. that's okay. Uh, number six, funding massive investment in the drawdown of greenhouse gases. So that that really doesn't have a, a straightforward answer <laughs> or anything. The drawdown of greenhouse gases, does yes. it elaborate what that means? We need to get greenhouse gases down to zero. We need to draw them down. because plants, plants earth, will die. You will have, well, says a, you. You will well, have desertification around the world. Oh, come on. Well, and and, and now you're just you're falling into uh, all the climate CO, deniers. CO2 is a greenhouse gas, right? Yes. Okay. So what are, you, what are you saying? What you were taught 
in uh, junior high, high school, uh, college science classes bears some weight here? I'm saying what I'm taught uh, by doing an experiment in seventh grade where I grew plants uh-huh. and I put them in a big pickle jar and we tested the CO2. And when the CO2 got to about, I was literally like 12 years, 14 when right. we did this. So I, it was a CO2 test thing and it was, no, oxygen. I'm sorry. It was an oxygen testing. The oxygen got to, the CO2 got so low that the plants died and everybody's plants died when their co2 got to like the the same level uh in the it was like three percent or something or whatever i don't remember and i remember doing these experiments too of course we were doing them in clay pots and things like that back when i was in high school um but you're exactly right so when you see policies coming out of dc that can be easily proven with junior high level experiments and not to mention the shedding, I would vacuum the carpet three times a week. Frodo was scratching all night long, bouncing on the side of the bed, keeping me awake the whole entire night from all the scratching and chewing. It kind of makes you neurotic. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Mounds and mounds of fur all over the place. Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Dynavite is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. He gobbles it up. He's not up all night scratching. His shedding is minimal, and it is such a pleasure to have my calm, relaxed, non-shedding puppy back. And I have to thank Dynovite for that. Don't let your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy. Come to Dynovite for help. 859-428-1000. 859 D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and we are live like we are every night. 855-450-FREE. And we've got some calls coming in, which is always good. Because, frankly, we don't like to listen to ourselves talk all night long. We like to hear what you have to say. We're going to present you with some ideas that may be outside your comfort zone. That's intentional. We like to talk about liberty. And sometimes we pick on Democrats. And sometimes we pick on Republicans. Because liberty doesn't recognize parties we even pick on libertarians now and then we do and i would say we probably pick on libertarians as much as (laughs) as anyone else um but we have been going through a list of sorts uh these are some items some goals i'll say of aoc alexandria ocasio-cortez and what she wants to see us do and It's interesting because this thing is not only getting shot down by Republicans and Libertarians, but it's got shot down by a lot of people in the Democratic Party. Um, Well, anyone with common sense. And there's not much of that left. There isn't. uh, There isn't. But a lot of people are looking at this and guessing a $40, $50 trillion price tag, um, anywhere from $10 trillion to $50 trillion. That's kind of the range I've seen people guesstimate. Uh, some of her ideas is having and And it's only just recently the uh, total u.s national debt surpassed 22 trillion right but just to give some scale yeah um but the idea is is if you can adopt you know modern monetary theory when money 
loses any aspect of being an actual commodity or have any restraints on it. And we all just recognize that it's just funny money. We can just print more of it. Then all of a sudden these things become viable. And if you listen to her speak, that's what she says. She says, of course we can do all this. We we can print money to, uh, you know, to, to have wars. Well, Why can't we f- print money to have all this? And to be fair, even Trump says the same thing. He says, oh, we'll just lower interest rates even more. And every time the Federal Reserve prints money, brown babies on the other side of the world die in a drone strike because the only purpose for all this military intervention is literally to force the acceptance of the U.S. dollar on the rest of the world. I mean, Nicholas Maduro, I believe the reason that they're trying to install a puppet di- dictator down there and supporting him or this other guy, whatever his name is, is because Maduro, a year ago, was uh, uh, on the podium speaking to OPEC, saying, uh, urging the OPEC countries not to trade in the U.S. dollar because the U.S. is a printing press and can just keep printing it and printing it and printing it, and that they should trade in euros because euros are partially gold back. And so we could implement this... Uh, you know this new green deal but we got to so if it is 40 or 50 trillion dollars there, there's a formula for if the federal reserve has to create 40 trillion dollars how many lives is that equal in casualties of war and drone strikes and because what's going to happen is people around the world I mean, I would love to see this implemented, make this system just crash and burn. I mean, you know, I've it been waiting happen. for it. Yes. Yes, we the, all The have. dollar would just crash, and because and people are going to start clamoring to cryptocurrency, I hope, uh, or other currencies, but, but all the currencies are junk. They're all fiat. Right. And fiat, if that's a new word to you, fiat means by decree, which means that somebody just says a dollar is worth a certain amount of money, therefore it is. Um, so and, not only do we have fiat money, we have fiat economics, fiat food, <laughs> and fiat education. And the list goes on and on. I uh, can't remember. Vincent, are we back to you? I, I, I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Funding mass. Okay. Uh, this one's an easy one. Make, quote, green, unquote, technology, industry, expertise, products, and services a major export of the United States with the aim of becoming the undisputed international leader in helping other countries transition to complete greenhouse gas neutral economies and bringing about a global green new deal. So your challenge, Vincent, is not just to do all of this in America, uh, but you have to make it attractive and economically feasible for every other country on the globe. Could I have that on my desk maybe by noon tomorrow well i'm sure i'm sure with all the uh, all the secret patents the u.s government has on its uh hidden in the book somewhere i think somewhere i read it's like the government in some cases like they just for you know disruptive technologies they just take the patent or the uh, inventor ends up dead in in belgium the next day uh from poisoning (laughs) so i mean i i have no doubt that there actually is like say a carburetor that could give you know like 200 miles a gallon or something that creates you know uh, electric electricity from water right uses like high for like hydrogen it's just that because they're disruptive and if any they don't want people being able to be not just economically but also travel independent right they, they, right. they you know we're talking about getting rid of people driving their cars to have driverless cars or just to have trains or buses right because god forbid someone's actually able to drive to where they want to go without being tracked and uh, traced by the government so but but in in this context 
this is the underlying theme I see with everything, all the uh, all the bullet points AOC has. It's and and I spoke about this at length uh, last Saturday on Questioning Authority on LRN.FM at 10, 10 p.m. My my show. It's that <laughs> this is plug. Nice. This is a uh, well, no, it's, it's relevant because I, I spoke yes. exactly about this. It's. It's like the gen- her generation that everyone gets a trophy, the you know the, the changing the way you know Common Core and everything, how the schools are. Where it, it sounds, well, the way she wrote it, it sounds like a, uh, a high school student council proposition. They say they're going to do everything. They have the goals. They know what they want to do and what they want to achieve. But there's no actual. They didn't put any thought into any concrete way of achieving it. And she uh, she delete you know she had the FAQ page frequently asked questions, right. and then like within hours she deleted it. So so it's like yes. this whole generation of, I guess, snowflakes, just to use the cliche term, they were told their whole lives, you know, they're in school and everything, that all of our ideas are good. There's no bad ideas. Everyone gets a trophy. And then they go into the real world and they get laughed at. And this is going to happen to like millions of more pe- young people. Absolutely. And and to be clear, this is not I know everybody likes I like the idea of a cleaner earth. I really do. I, I like the idea, and I, I practice conservation. I think conservationism is makes a lot more sense uh, taking care of your resources so you can be assured that you will have them at some point in the future, in future generations. That makes sense to me. Um, but that's not what any of this is about. This is about control. And exactly. if, if you want to exercise control over a population, there's numerous paths you can go down. You can control their health care. You can control their food. Uh, you can control every aspect of energy, um, which yeah. is basically what AOC is talking about. Now, they don't think ahead, and they certainly don't think about, we want to come up with a way of controlling everyone on Earth. What they think is that they are doing the right thing. They think that they are doing good. Um, and these are where some of the worst ideas come from and some of the most uh, most outrageous assaults on our freedom come from i have a historical example of our energy control the reason the absolute reason alcohol was made illegal uh was to control the energy uh basically freedom of the people in this country there's a book by uh david bloom called alcohol can be a gas and in that book he explains how rockefeller uh jd rockefeller u.s standard oil lobbied the temperance with four million dollars to make alcohol illegal well Previous to alcohol prohibition, literally every rural home had an alcohol still. Every farm had several alcohol stills. You bet. They stilled all the grasses. They stilled the wood chips. They stilled uh, corn that was worth nothing. They stilled all the leftover, basically, biomass of of all the plants for alcohol. Your Model A, your Model T Fords, all your old tractors, everything built around that time, all was alcohol-fueled. And when you drove in a city, you had to buy Rockefeller's crappy petroleum, and you had to actually physically change the ignition timing and adjust your uh, air-fuel ratio to run on petroleum, and petroleum was dirty, it stunk, and when your car ran on alcohol back in the day, alcohol is clean. It's actually a negative emission fuel. But this was the reason for prohibition, to get the alcohol stills gone. Your calls and thoughts coming up after we take a short break. But that's interesting, Jay, and there are two sides to that. There's also the side of some of the revolutionary things that Standard Oil did and how did they bring this to market. And I want to ask you about lubricants, too. Uh, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Free is in freedom, and we've been we've been talking Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her ideas for a Green New Deal. And we've we've gone through a number of these, and I think where we less, last left off, I I just wanted to know what it might cost to not only transform the United States, but to make green energy and basically become the exporter of green energy and green energy programs to the rest of the world. I think we all agree that that would require uh, anybody looking at our country and not laughing their butts off at our lack of wealth after we were to implement a 10 to $50 trillion uh, project in the midst of our already uh, extraordinary debt. What we're going to have to do to have a, a green world to, that is uh, not, um, well, basically what we're going to have to do is take and export the socialism of the world to a, to another planet. So we're going to have to wage war <laughs> with like somebody on Mars or Pluto uh, or we, may or have to we go might further. have to start nuking the sun or something. We're going to have to blow up something to make this. And that's the way it's been my whole life. I right, mean, right. I've been here for 39 years. That's, that's and, the only way know, it happens. Well, this is how we export socialism. Bombing other countries. Right. It's hard to know where to begin in analyzing such an ambitious plan, though we've just given it an attempt here, especially when one understands the ramifications of what is in the bill. No doubt many will believe it to be bold and long overdue. The CNN website breathlessly declares, quote, public investment should prioritize what the resolution calls, quote, frontline and vulnerable communities, unquote, which include people in rural and deindustrialized areas, as well as those who depend on carbon-intensive industries like oil and gas extraction, unquote. And in a move that may draw support from a broad range of advocacy groups, the resolution sweeps in the full range of progressive policy priorities, provide universal health care and affordable housing, ensure that all jobs have union protections, and family-sustaining wages, and keep the business environment free of monopolistic competition, unquote. Does the average guy realize how ridiculous actual having union workers work on jobs? Like, if you're an operating excavator and you have to get down and shovel something, you will get fired <laughs> if you pick up that shovel because you... That excavator, you can't go anymore. You're just going to sit there for hours till a laborer shows up because that's his job. You can't put fuel in your excavator. You can't grease it. Uh, you're not even supposed to wash the window off. That's another guy's job. It is ridiculous. I will go out on a limb and say that there was a time where unions provided some benefit to workers. For example, um, when there were no safety standards working in coal mines and things like that, unions were there. And they were advocating, we we got to have some safety stuff here. And they did it. And it they got started it. with good intentions. It did. But its use died out after maybe a decade. I mean, once once you had done that, then the union simply became a way to gouge more money and to basically exert the workers' power over the employer. And that is basic socialism. 
um, the whole seizing purpose, the means of production. The whole purpose of unions is quite simple. As many employees in the union as possible. So this is why I like to teach our unions are bleeding the local taxpayers dry. Because like every parasite, the uh, schools just grow and grow and grow with employees. Yes. And, and most of the employees that they're adding to the school aren't even teaching kids. They're administrators. It's just like your um, the Howard, um, who's the uh, overstock guy there, uh, Byrne. Uh, uh, Patrick, Patrick Byrne. Byrne. He sure. does this great talk about um, uh, the, I forget what the, 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 um, the thing he does about the homeschooling and the vouchers, yes. the Milton Friedman Foundation, and he explains how the the um, the amount of kids that are in school has gone up a little bit, but the amount of teachers uh, uh, that are employed have gone up tremendously. But the actual amount of teachers per student has like gone down because it's just oh, all administrators. Yeah, well, just, and for those of you out, if you if you hear us and you're thinking, my God, they're picking on they're picking on teachers, how cold hearted are they? Uh, please give us a call, 855-450-FREE and, or 855-450-3733, and we can talk about that. If you uh, believe that more money needs to go to education, uh, do you believe that if you believe that our schools are the most important thing we have to, to educate the next generation, give us a call. But right now we're going to go to the phones where we have Sarah calling in from New Mexico who wants to talk about Farrakhan. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, I think I think I know the reason why uh, Farrakhan is allowed to talk about the Jews, and then they let him live. I mean, he he's running around talking about the Jews, but they let him. Who's Farrakhan? Who, yes, there's some of Louis Farrakhan. Louis he's Farrakhan. The, uh, I okay. think he's like the head of the Nation of Islam. You are correct. So correct. who's letting him live, Sarah? Oh, I thought it was a fairy but conference. I mean. What other people do you know that talk about the Jews um, and then still in business or get employment or anything like that? I think you know? a lot they of Jewish people talk that. about Jewish people. Uh, she every, means criticize uh, uh, criticize the Jews. Every other guest on Coast to Coast AM. Well, but but hold on. some of them lose like payment processors and stuff. Uh, like if she's talking about staying in business, and I know the reasons because he's another he's a more protected minority, right? Not only is he an African American, he also claims to, you know some people wouldn't say he is he claims to be a Muslim also, or let's just I guess he's I don't know if he's practicing or not, or I don't know a nation of Islam. You know, it's all it's all complicated. But yeah, so he's an even more protected minority than Jews are, so he gets an extra status right if louis like extra if, credit well exactly i mean like some people say like that david duke and louis farrakhan are saying the same exact things the difference is david duke is white and that's not a protected group in this country obviously right and farrakhan has said some really hateful things over the years anything else sarah well i mean that's uh that's your opinion but i have a my opinion is that fact that he's black but that, that's what I said. America, that's that's what Vincent literally <laughs> just said. Uh, what he was saying was that because uh, Louis Farrakhan is black and because he is Muslim, uh, he gets a pass on two different fronts. Well, the, the reason the reason is because uh, black opinion, you know, matters. Not uh, you know, it's kind of worthless in America. That's that's a going rate. You think so? Right. If, uh, well, you don't think we have that, uh, uh, yeah. black thought leaders or or black people in other disciplines that pr- 
provide value? Thomas Sowell, Don Lemon, Obama, Van Jones. N- none of these are very good examples except Thomas Sowell, but you know, I, I, I could name like four off the bat of my head. But well, Martin me, Luther King. Farrakhan uh, makes a lot of sense, and I, I, he's very credulous to me. But, but the going rate in American culture is that anything to do with black people is, is of, worse, of, of less value. No, For no, it's the person. opposite. Like in the media, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you have these people like these sports players who, just, yeah, sports players, football players, right? All we have to do is say they like a product, right? And most of us, you know, sports players are probably, and everyone goes out and buys it, like shoes and headphones, Beats by Dr. Dre. I don't know where Sarah's getting this from. Sarah, thank you for your call. But more coming back uh, after this. This is eight fifty five four five zero. Three. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a ninety day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Liquor Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Liquor Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Liquor Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-453, free is in freedom. I don't know, we should have an L in there because it should be L like as as in liberty, uh, which is what we spend most evenings talking about. We talk about different things that are occurring in the world today, things that are pro-liberty, things that are anti-liberty, and we kind of go from there. Um, but we have been talking about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I always want to say it with some flair, um, but I don't know why. Yeah, please don't. It's so obnoxious <laughs> seeing people do that, like even on like mainstream Alexandria television. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Like if people keep doing that, I'm going to demand that my name get pronounced uh, properly. <laughs> you know, she is cute. When I see her uh, talking about these things, I mean, it is just like having a conversation about unicorns with my five-year-old niece. Yeah. She loves unicorns, and she's just, like, wide-eyed, and she's talking about them, and we talk all about Pegasus and, and you know, all these uh, just cool uh, fantasy things. And I, she has um, – AOC has, like, the same demeanor about her, just so innocent and cute. She's a little on the skinny side, though. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to just have her, you know, like – hold her in my arms and she you know sits on my lap and talks about that and i'm just stroking her hair and i'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just like in, in you know in bliss can we, you know, ta- we we'd be married obviously because i'm a good christian boy but can we talk about the power of human action that's this is where i, I would try to convert her into some- well you got to use love man isn't that like what ian says right of his whole shire free church thing you gotta you, you gotta just love him no that's what stefan molyneux says right we got to populate the world with liberty-minded people okay so we got to use love all right. <laughs> and maybe that'll work. I don't know. It works um, better than hate. It does. Uh, but what I feel works best is points. bullets. No, I'm, I'm not a helicopter ride kind of guy. What I like to do is I like to have conversations with people that discuss some of the things that are going on and, and how those might fit into uh, a world that is freer, where it makes people freer. 
where it gives you more power and more control over your own life well, and not giving all that to government. Well, bullets are faster and more efficient and cheaper than helicopter rides, right? You know, all of you helicopter rides people are uh, just, you know, promoting more emissions into the atmosphere compared Greenhouse to a bullet. Gases, yeah, right. compared to a bullet, it's just via whatever the propellant, right? It, or if you use sm- even less if you use smokeless powder, <laughs> which is pretty much all modern cartridges. Uh, that's true. Um, but uh if you want, we'll put this uh, link up on on our Facebook page and on all our social medias. You can read what Fee has to say about the rest of what o- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says. Um, but we want to change gears here, and uh, I wanted to hear a little bit more about our, our latest Venezuelan strongman. Um possibly being recruited by the u.s a decade ago so this is a story that vincent brings in i'd say puppet not strongman because this guy looks like a wimp or a shrimp (laughs) i mean like i just you know i think the best way to defeat this guy is to get uh was it the bully from back to the future to go after him yeah biff you know make hey you know guido make like a tree and get out of (laughs) here But before we get into that, do you own a retail business or are you looking for a solution for point of sale cryptocurrency acceptance? With any pay, it's never been easier. There is no paperwork or approval process to open an account. If you already have a tablet at your cash register, you're almost done. Just sign up at anypay.global, drop your personal crypto wallet addresses in our setup page, then load the app. That's it. You're accepting cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Dash at your store. Get started now at anypay.global. That's anypay.global. And one thing I love about anypay.global, because we use this in our retail store. This is what we use to accept cryptocurrencies. My girlfriend gets it. It it was literally about less than 30 seconds of training her. So we sort of have this standard, which judges different technologies based on their ability to be uh, easily understood by my girlfriend. She picked up on it very quickly. Same thing with uh, the Free State Project. They uh, started using it about a year ago because last year at Liberty Forum, the the point of service sale thing for uh, crypto was like nobody understood it. The guy who had used like understood it, couldn't make it there for some reason. So uh, one of the, the guys who uh, created AnyPay just showed up, says, oh, let's just use AnyPay, puts it on a t- one of their tablets, and like four minutes later, they're doing <laughs> AnyPay. And like even this year, it was somebody who had never done a cryptocurrency transaction, literally right. got a 30-second lesson on the AnyPay. That's how – and actually, like when you walk up and use it in some places, it's like self-service, and you just do it. It's yeah. so easy. It's It's very straightforward and very, very simple, and – the best thing about it is, is you get to start accepting money in you get to ex- accept real money, uh, cryptocurrencies, and it gives you some alternatives. Um, you're not going to have all the all the fees associated with your credit cards. You're not going to have all the hassles of dealing with cash. And you're it's not just funding war. Easy. You're not funding war. So, Vincent, you were going to tell us uh, a little bit about what do you mean recruited by the U.S. a decade ago? What well, the that, heck? This has come to us from SputnikNews.com? Yes, SputnikNews.com, which granted is most likely a Russian propaganda website, but you know what? The Would've BBC is never a British. Never guessed it. 
the BBC is a British propaganda website. No one, you know, everyone in the U.S. acts like that's a valid source just because they happen to be on quote our side. So I view Sputnik just as reliable as BBC. We're both run by you know we're both propaganda for a government, but sometimes the other side could be right, and they'd have a they'd want to tell the truth about things called white propaganda, I believe. Um, so and we're not telling you this is true. We're just reporting what they're reporting. Oh and yeah, and you can make your own decisions. And variable what they're reporting on what the Russian amb- or the Venezuelan ambassador to Russia said might not even be true. But right. this so is just go. so. This is Guaido was recruited by the U.S. a decade ago. Venezuelan envoy to Russia says this is on Sputnik News. It was published yesterday. Last month, U.S. media reported that the Venezuelan opposition leader declared himself interim president immediately following a phone call with U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. National, because that's what a sovereign leader does. He you know, declares himself president after a foreign leader gives him the okay to do so. Sure. Uh, that's just me adding my thing. National Assembly leader and self-proclaimed interim president Juan Guaido was recruited by the U.S. a decade ago and is little more than Washington's puppet, Carlos Rafael Farla um, Tortosa, Venezuela's ambassador to Russia, has said, quote, Guaido was recruited, according to our information, some 10 years ago. He was sent to Serbia to study. You probably know about it. And it all started with this, Tortosa said, addressing lawmakers at Russia's Federation Council about the political crisis unraveling in this country. The time came. They said he was prepared, but he is totally unprepared for this task. He is just a puppet and is placed where he is so that the U.S. could stand behind him and speak, the diplomat added. Tortosa emphasized that the concept of a, an, quote, interim president does not exist in Venezuela's constitution. That claims by Guaido and his U.S. allies, to the contrary, were just an attempt to, quote, fool the international community. Tortosa noted that the economic war against Venezuela began immediately after the death of President Hugo Chavez, adding that this was the main cause of the current crisis. Quote, yes, of course, many mistakes were made by our state and by President Maduro, but these were not mistakes which put us in the situation we are in today. There has been a boycott of the production of crucial foodstuffs and medicines. This started after the death of Comandante Chavez. Immediately after his death, they started an economic war, the envoy said. So let's... Pause right there. Um, this uh, this assertion that the U.S. is waging economic warfare sort of behind the scenes uh, by turning a foreign somebody with some power in another country. Uh, what do you guys think? Think we really do things like what John Perkins said in Confessions of an Economic Hitman? Do we go around and manipulate other countries uh, well, to don't. be more favorable to us? But I'm, I'm sure positive that the federal government does that the deep state does that these banker puppets do but with uh, socialist countries it's hard to say because that's usually their excuse for whenever their economic policies fail is that it's because we're being boycotted or embargoed that's true 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 this is free talk live more when we return This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. We want to hear from you. We'd love to take your calls tonight on any subject we've been talking about. First, we started off talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's New Green Deal. And I guess we all gave up on being able to afford any of that. And I think we all gave up on finding anything in it that made any sense. Uh, so strike one, two, and three. I don't think we're going to be supporting that one. 
Um, now we're talking about um, whether or not uh, Guaido, who was who is uh, the Venezuelan opposition leader, uh, he's declared himself interim president immediately following a phone call with U.S. Vice President Mike Spence. Uh, Mike Pence, excuse me. And uh, basically the assertion that, that Guaido is simply a puppet controlled by the United States. And Vincent's been telling us about that. In studio, we have myself. Jay. Vincent. And um, so let's let's talk a little bit about, about this story. Go ahead. Uh, so U.S. So this is right after following previously they uh, the uh, on the Venezuelan envoy to Russia blamed their economic and food crisis on U.S. embargoes or boycott or whatever. So he continues, U.S. actions against Venezuela go back two decades to Chavez's election and his domestic and foreign policies, including the search for alternative alliances, which bothered Washington, Tortosa said. Commenting on the U.S. humanitarian aid piling up on Venezuela's borders, Tar- Tortosa said that such assistance was just a, quote, trap, which could be followed by a military invasion. The envoy added that the U.S. decision to freeze Venezuela's accounts abroad was aimed at exacerbating the country's economic crisis to set Venezuelans against her government. The diplomat also warned that Washington may try to use other countries, including, including Colombia and Brazil, to assist it in its aims of toppling the Maduro government. They are prepared to do this as well, and this must be accounted for, he warned. According to Tortosa, Washington is now actively searching for someone in Venezuela's armed forces who is ready to, quote, betray our president. Tortosa's remarks came during a Federation Council meeting of a working group of the Committee on the Protection of State Sovereignty charged with investigating examples of contemporary forms of meddling in the internal affairs of sovereign nations on Tuesday. (laughs) Hold on, we don't do that, do we? Do we? Especially Does the U.S. meddle in the eternal affairs of others. Do we meddle in their elections? No, it's just Russian collusion. It's just those Russians we got to care about. Even right. though, well, we we did did this little thing in Chile too, right? Well, they do everything they can to make sure that the U.S. dollar remains uh, the reserve currency, remains valuable. And first, they try by peacefully doing it the easy way, using honey to bribe the politicians. Sure, and then they uh, then they tear the politicians down, put in their own puppet dictators, and then when the the locals, the people start to resist, they start calling all those people terrorists, and then they send, you know, the military in there to, um, you know, or actually just drones, just drone strike weddings and stuff and blow up all kinds of stuff, uh, bomb them into submission, and just like they've been doing in Afghanistan for 17 years. Or give shipments of poison vaccines to the village that sterilizes all the girls. Yep, that too. Or we do, the U.S. does that to its allies too, actually, but... Um, and, you know, and just just you, you mentioned just if this isn't even more evidence that or this falling headline doesn't tell you that Guaido is a puppet, nothing else will. This is from France 24. Guai, this is from four days ago. So on the ninth, Guaido will not rule out authorizing U.S. Inter- intervention. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm just looking at some of the sources here for something quoted on Wikipedia. Um, the long history of U.S. interfering in elections elsewhere, the Washington Post, and a number of sources all, all call this. They're claiming that the U.S.'s uh, interventions in foreign elections right now numbers at around 81. So 81 uh, different elections going, including, um, you know, several times in Chile, um, we have... 
uh, Israeli elections in 2016, 1996. Uh, we have the Philippines in 1953, Palestinian elections in 2006, Japan's elections in the 1950s and 60s, uh, the Italian elections in 1948, the Ukraine. Uh, we have, let's see, the list goes on and on. Suffice it to say that I'm not going to go down and read 81 different examples of the U.S. interfering in another sovereign state's affairs. So that must be 81 examples that there's some kind of solid evidence, never mind all. It's like, well, we have 150 videos of cops murdering people in cold blood. Right. And, you know, but how many times does this happen when there's no video being taken? That's a good point. Um, the point, and that that is really the point. If if this many things make it to a Wikipedia page, and they're all sourced from you know reputable news sources, how many do we not know of? And and that's what's scary. Uh, again, I, I really do recommend the book because it is kind of a wake up call. Um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, uh, who talks about this, and not all of the interventions we do are overt. We don't always go in guns blazing. Oftentimes it's going to be backing one side or the other in a small conflict. And it may be, you know, it's playing the long game. It's it's making subtle changes that they hope will pay benefits um, later on. Or even economic threats when uh, the Brexit was still being deliberated on. Obama went over to the UK and said that uh, it might, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but it was a vague threat about it might change the trade relationship between the UK and the US, which I think that pushed a lot of people, you know, obviously meddling in elections creates a lot of uh, a lot of animosity towards the uh, the perpetrator. Like, take you know this whole Russia hysteria. You have you know right. historically anti-war Democrats calling for war with Russia now. <laughs> so the uh, within in Obama and you know the Obama Brexit case that probably I think I from what I remember that pushed a lot of people being for Brexit because they're tired of having you know elitists from other countries going over telling them what to do and threatening them. So it's never a good idea. It's never a good idea to mess around with another country's affairs. Right. And I think uh, Washington said something about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) You know, Washington, you know, George Washington, I know in in some, you know, some hosts or some libertarians, you know, don't look too fondly upon the founding fathers. But George Washington, in his letters that are still at the Library of Congress or preserved, right, the original writing, he said, don't form political parties. Don't go on foreign adventures. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah, both sides of the aisle both sides of politics you know paying tribute and oh the founding fathers oh our values and yet they just totally ignore all of that sure uh and that's that's the sad fact is political parties can ignore those things as they come up um, otherwise the dollar will decrease in value and all these people <laughs> you know will, it'll collapse their, their power is based on the the fact the dollar has value around the world. Well, for power is based on the fact that, you know, I disagree. I think for power is based on the fact that the uh, the American people are putting up with it, right? People are still voting them into power instead of putting them into handcuffs and chains and uh, in many, probably many cases nooses if they, after they've had fair trials. Yeah, we've, we've fought wars over the tax on tea, which I think was about 3%. Something like that. And to get back to Vincent's uh, statement there, uh, you know, these people that need to be put in handcuffs, the problem is, is we don't know who they are. Uh, you know, all Sometimes these politicians are literally puppets. I, I believe oh, that all the presidents are puppets. You can you can start by uh, putting in handcuffs all the ones you can identify. But if you believe that all these 
uh, fools, these pawns, are acting alone, um, you're, you're delusional. Uh, but what is not delusional is Freedom's Phoenix. Freedom's Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. Do you want the newest and freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty? Freedom's Phoenix has it. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. I highly recommend signing up for the freedomsphoenix.com newsletter. You get a, a two emails a day most days, and all it is is just it's their um, uh, it's all it's their news feed essentially, and it's a whole bunch of really good articles. Any everything from technology, uh, SpaceX stuff, government corruption, vaccines. It's, it's really nice all, all this information that Ernie puts together there. Yeah, and he's a very sharp individual. But I got to ask, did you say SpaceX? Yep. Okay, there we go. I'm I'm not a big fan of. Uh, uh, St. Elon. No, 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 neither is Ernie, but he's really into the space thing, so he focuses a lot on... Gotcha. I mean, when I say SpaceX, he, actually, he's always talked about these guys that are like in the um, aftermarket, uh, the free market, they're building rockets, they're these guys sending satellites up. I appreciate and, that oh, yeah. part. The other part was, it sounded, you said it so quickly that it, it came out, SpaceX. Oh, which sorry. I thought it was <laughs> SpaceX. SpaceX. <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe I should sign up for this <laughs> newsletter, because now you've piqued my curiosity. This is Free Talk Live. Your calls when we return, 855-450-FREE. That's free as in freedom. What do you think? What's on your mind? Give us a call and we'll chat. Free Talk Live. The biggest names in the liberty movement will be at the largest gathering of freethinkers, voluntarists, libertarians, and ANCAPs in Acapulco, Mexico from February 14th through the 19th, 2019 at Anarchapulco. You'll love the lineup of speakers discussing entrepreneurship, politics, philosophy, health, and personal relationships for four days among the sun and beaches of a world-class resort. And of course, Free Talk Live will be there again. Go to anarchapulco.com and use code FTL to register and receive 15% off. This is Free Talk Live, live like we are every night, here to take your phone calls. We've been taking calls all night, 855-450-FREE, free is in freedom. And uh, we, we did we pick on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I think we did. And the news is so oversaturated with her. I mean, the fact that AOC became a nickname so quickly, it's like, I imagine, you know, just turn on Fox News, and I guarantee we're going to be talking about that. Turn on Alex Jones. He's going to be talking about that. Go on Breitbart. Go Daily Caller. Go anywhere, and they're going to be talking about it. It's like Jay suggested she was like a like a Republican plant. No, I think, I think she knows exactly what she's doing. She's trying to give the maximum. She believes that there's no such thing as bad publicity, and she's very good at it. She's getting people are talking about her if people are talking about you whatever you're doing it's at least some form of success we talked about her for a whole segment here about someone we thoroughly disagree <laughs> for a whole with. hour for more than an hour so I, I spend more time on twitter than any other social media platform uh and i follow two people with great interest one of them is safadina moose who's an austrian economist he's a great guy he's from lebanon 
He's the author of the Bitcoin Standard, so he really lays out a serious case as to why cryptocurrencies are beneficial and why Bitcoin in particular is, and I subscribe to that line of thinking. Um, But I also follow AOC to remind me that people need to follow people like Safadine Amous. They have to get a basic understanding of economics. And if you get bored, if you're at home listening, God, this guy drones on and on about economics. It's because it's crucial. It's, it's what literally makes our world revolve. It's what makes markets work and no central planning can ever do what markets can do. Uh, Central planners can't set prices, but they always try to Um, markets can just by supply and demand and by offerings in the marketplace. It's amazing what markets can do, and we need to get to a point uh, where we are there so we can actually ascertain um, what we can afford and what we can't, and there are no magic bullets. Uh, But one thing there, one bullet that is not going to be there, and I'm not talking about gun control, it's going to be California's new bullet train. This thing got the axe. New California Governor Gavin Newsom slams brakes on San Francisco to Los Angeles bullet train. The government, uh, the governor scaled back the high-speed train calling for a more limited rail line now, but leaving the door open to a statewide project in the future. Sacramento, California's new governor, Gavin Newsom, sharply scaled back plans to build a high-speed train from San Francisco to Los Angeles on Tuesday saying the program had been botched and cost too much. Speaking in Sacramento in his first state-of-the-state address since he succeeded Jerry Brown, who, like Arnold Schwarzenegger before him, had strongly promoted the bullet train as governor, Newsom said he would proceed with work on a 160-mile stretch in the state's Central Valley where construction is already underway. Quote, High-speed rail is much more than a train project, unquote, Newsom said. Quote, it's about economic transformation and unlocking the enormous potential of the valley, unquote. And he left the door open to completing the state-spanning system at some point in the future, promising to continue pursuing federal funds and private sector funding for the larger project, along with environmental work and regional projects north and south of the Central Valley. Quote, For those who want to walk away from the whole endeavor, I offer you this, he said. Quote, abandoning high-speed rail entirely means we will have wasted billions with nothing but broken promises and lawsuits to show for it. So, hopefully people's uh, property won't be stolen by eminent domain. That's the first thing I think of when I think of all these things. It, it uh, It was huge in not only just taking people's money because... This thing started out, and I think we'll get into some numbers here. I can't remember what the initial – this was done by a referendum, uh, I thought, uh, initially. It uh, cost a $32 billion initially, but that number quickly ballooned to $50 million, $100 million, uh, excuse me, $100 billion, uh, to try to get this thing going. And there's a free market solution to this kind of thing. Sure. I mean, if you want to set up a rail line or some kind of road – and what you do is is uh you would you know you could generate you know money from from private interests and all the landowners uh should maintain as shareholders 
and receive a profit from this. It's like the Massachusetts Turnpike so went through Massachusetts and went through all these farms, all these properties, cut them all in half. The property was stolen, and then, then it was and it was uh, and you pay a toll to drive on this thing. Well, instead of that, you know, people being paid, you know, a fraction of market value and basically forced off their land. What they should have been doing is given an opportunity to be a shareholder in this project and then receive a, um, you know, receive a dividend or, or whatever because that road earns plenty of money. Right. But we got so many regulations that private industry isn't really allowed to do much. All they got to do is find some allegedly, you know, sacred, you know, reptile on the property and you can't <laughs> do anything. But if the government wants to do it, none of that stuff matters. Right. They just take it. And right. That's it. <clears throat> Uh, there was a period of time, and and when trains were built, quote unquote, honestly, um, I can't remember which train. It was uh, the one started by Hunt, I believe. Uh, I don't know. It was not the Union Pacific, but maybe it was the Western Pacific. Um, but back in the days of the great robber barons and all this, um, you basically had two trains competing for the West Coast traffic. One was the one that was bought and it wasn't even bought. It was just provided for by Washington. Washington went in with eminent domain, took all the land that was necessary, um, made regulations and made laws that favored it. And there was basically the free market alternative where the guy went in and said, I'll offer you money for your land or I'll give you a certain amount of rent if I can run across it. And he did it all legit. Guess which one succeeded? the free market solution succeeds. And it it was eventually squashed by government, um, which does not like competition to its ideas. Um, But these sorts of things and the idea that that someone would try to do this across an entire state and that the voters would support them, uh, I find amazing. Um, When state voters approved the massive bullet train in 2008, the project was envisioned to open in 2029 at a cost of $32 billion. But the California High-Speed Rail Authority last year pushed the completion date back four years and said it would cost at least double. Newsom, uh, News, yeah, Newsom on Tuesday blamed oversight failures and a lack of transparency, saying he, quote, wasn't interested in repeating the same old mistakes, unquote. Well, you're going to re- make the same mistakes, because you are running uh, what should be a private venture as a government agency. And this is what happens when governments try to do things like, oh, I don't know, uh, build trains. Or, or even a big dig in Boston. I mean, it's just, just right. always, there's so much pork to pass around or somebody's getting broken kneecaps. Right. And, and that's going to be the thing. Uh, Newscom uh, on Tuesday blamed Newsom on Tuesday blamed, uh, I already read that, uh, he said he would name Lenny Mendicas, his economic development director, as the authority's next chairman with a mandate to, quote, hold contractors and consultants accountable to explain how taxpayer dollars are spent, unquote, and to put all expenses online, quote, for everybody to see, unquote. So these companies will literally be hiring, hiring uh VPs of financial uh, whatever, they'll be hiring accountants just to throw them under the bus and say, oh, it was this this, this schmuck's fault. It, I guarantee that's what would happen. I mean, this is what happens with Enron. All these big banks, you know, nobody who, you know, who, uh, who profits from it goes down. It's always some intern or just, just some guy that had no clue what's going on. 
like a true bureaucrat, and that's my words, not this article's words. But Newsom said it was more important to, quote, just get something done, unquote, by completing the segment that will connect Merced to Bakersfield for now. Referring to money the state has already received, he said, quote, I am not interested in sending $3.5 billion in federal funding that was allocated to this project back to Donald Trump, unquote. What do you think? Was this a good move? Should California abandon or at least scale back its high-speed rail? 855-450-FREE. Give us a call and let This is Free Talk Live, and we've been talking about a number of subjects tonight. We've talked about Venezuela and whether our potential new leader in Venezuela has been bought already by the U.S. government. Uh, We've talked about California's bullet train and its rapid demise, it appears, and we've talked about the New Green Deal. And everything that that entails. And I encourage you to give it a skim. It's good for a laugh. In studio, it's me, Chris. Jay. Vincent. And I want to throw a little thank you out there to Paul Gibbons. He is a gold amplifier of Free Talk Live, which means he is contributing $10 a month to go towards the AMP program. AMP stands for... Um, God, advertise, market, <laughs> and promote. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. You're I knew welcome. there was a reason I wanted to do this show with you. It's when I have a senior moment, you will quickly remember that. Uh, but the money that is contributed goes to advertising, marketing, and promoting the show. If it's important to you that the voice of liberty, if the thought of uh, putting libertarian ideas in front of many people's faces. Uh, is a good thing, then consider giving. Uh, five bucks a month is all it takes to get started, and you get lots of cool perks. Uh, Facebook groups, AMP-only feeds, and uh, things like that without all the commercials. So it's a great program, and if you want to find out more, go to amp.freetalklive.com. And we've been discussing this bullet train. Uh, basically, the new governor says... Yeah, it's just not working out for us. There's been a lot of mismanagement, and the budget's doubled, so we're not doing that. But he also says we're not going to be sending money back to Donald Trump. Uh, We're keeping that. Brian Kelly, chief executive of the Rail Authority, said he was eager to meet the challenge and expand the project's economic impact in the Central Valley. Kelly also said in a statement that he welcomes Newsom's commitment to complete environmental work statewide and to seek continued funding towards a rail project connecting the Bay Area and Los Angeles. U.S. Representative Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader who represents the Bakersfield area, said Newsom uh, made, quote, the right move, and he called the larger project connecting Northern and Southern California, quote, a train to nowhere. But as State Senator Scott Weiner, a Democrat who represents part of the San Francisco Bay Area, stressed that Newsom hasn't killed the statewide plan. Quote, he said we must focus on completing the Central Valley segment and move forward from there, Weiner said on Twitter, adding, quote, 
the Bay Area and Los Angeles must be and will be part of the California high-speed rail network, unquote. So uh, I used to work a lot in California. So the company I worked for was headquartered out of San Francisco, and actually most of our data centers and things like that were in the Central Valley. They were based in, in uh, just outside of Sacramento. So I was all over that. We also had locations down in L.A., so when I had to fly into San Francisco and then I had something that took my attention down in the L.A. area, I would go to the airport and I would take a maybe a $40, $50 flight and transverse hundreds and hundreds of miles very economically. Um, and from what I've read, much more economically than high-speed rail will do. Can you still buy those $40, $50 San Francisco, L.A. flights? Is that still, like, a viable thing? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Espe- especially now that both places are just so awful, very less people, fewer and fewer people probably want to go, so we're desperate to pack the flights, I imagine. Well, what it is, it's a it's a commuter route, you know, so you're going to have these companies that pop up, and they are going to um, offer commuter rates um, because they want that money. Yeah, there's um, a... Uh, Hyannis to Boston commuter plane. It's actually my um, grandmother uses it when she goes to Boston. She lives on Cape Cod, and I. It's very inexpensive. I believe it's like it might be like forty five dollars. She says it's almost as about the same price she'd pay for gas in her car to do to commute from East Ham to Boston. I'm gonna have to dig up the link. Um, and and that's but great. There was, yeah. I mean, there was this uh, like um, ride share thing for airplanes. I remember these guys were doing in Colorado and it was like through um, it was like an Uber type thing. And what these guys were doing is like they would fly from like, um, you know, his own jet, for example, or his own prop plane from, you know, Denver to like Phoenix. And there was room for like eight people. But he, he was just going down there for like a normal business trip or maybe he was just bringing two people down and and you could go to like this metropolitan airport and there was no TSA right there, there was no nothing and they're like yeah just hop in the plane let's go I mean they didn't ask you for like ID and like one guy was saying he's like yeah for you know eighty five dollars you know I got a round trip down to um Phoenix and I was able to go watch this sports ball game or something he was talking about so Ian and I, this has been a couple years ago, but we did a we did a, a story on this. Basically, there was this idea of let's create an Uber for air travel. And it was basically that because private planes are always flying all over the place. And if you can get somebody to help share the cost of gas, you know, that's that's your biggest cost yep. is is the fuel, um, then you can make these things really uh inexpensive. And it was interesting because, of course, what does the government do when they hear about something like this? Well, basically what this means is, uh, Jay, you have a private plane and you wish, wish to share rides with others. You're going to start this little company that does ride sharing with airplanes. Yep. So you have to follow uh, every regulation that Delta Airlines um, follows if you wish to do this. And Delta and United like, oh, lobby yes. government exactly for that so they don't have any competition. Right. And it was it was a really sad ending to that story because there were a couple companies that came out like this. 
The company that I think is the most interesting out there, and we talked about this a while back, is one called JetSuite X. And their web page says semi-private flying, not so private fares. And we did a story about these guys. What they do is they're only flying to six or seven different uh, airports in California right now. But their prices are more competitive than the major airlines. So you can go from an airport in the Los Angeles area to an airport in the Bay Area. And you're going to pay less than you'll pay through Delta or United or anybody else. You are going to be flying on a small private plane. And when they described the check-in process, they they were like, I walked up to an office park. They had like a little bus behind it. Um, But the first thing they did was showed us where the bar was, uh, where they started us out there, free snacks, free stuff like that. The only thing they had to do to go through TSA-wise was to get the swab on their hands to make sure they had no residue from explosives, which is the only requirement that they needed to have. And they're serving seven or eight markets. I'm going to look up the cost of these things to see what it will cost. But it was a really intriguing idea. Basically, they said, well, we're going to we're going to do it this way. We're going to technically be legal, um, but we're going to make it the whole experience that sells this. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Do you operate a retail business and are looking for a solution for point-of-sale cryptocurrency acceptance? It's never been easier thanks to AnyPay.Global. There's no paperwork or approval process to open an account. If you already have a tablet at your cash register, you're almost done. Just sign up at AnyPay.Global. Drop your personal crypto wallet addresses in our setup page and then load our app. That's it. You're accepting cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Dash at your store. Get started now at AnyPay.Global. That's AnyPay.Global. is Free Talk Live. And we're live tonight like we're live every night, 7 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. And that's just what we do. That's how we roll. In studio, it's me, Chris. Jay. And Vincent. And we've been talking about lots of things. We we At the end of our last segment, we were talking about the train and whether people actually fly around California, and they certainly do. There's a lot of commuter flights uh, that go all over the state, particularly from the Los Angeles area to the um, San Francisco area, Silicon Valley and things like that. And I was trying to remember the name of the company that we talked about on the air. It's called JetSuite X. And it is pretty remarkable when they talk about the experience. That's what they really sell. So you can fly on a private jet for some of the prices we looked at were like, you know, L.A. LA to San Francisco and back, you know, not going to the major airports, going to smaller airports outside of uh, $129, $159. It depends on the time of day, how it's worth a hundred, it is. hundred bucks just not not to deal with these major airports, right? And it would seriously be worth it not to deal with all the TSA um, theater which goes on. Um, it's a funny way to say molestation, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, uh, at least take me out to dinner if you're going to grope me like that. Um, but they offer things like free drinks. They offer uh, free upgrades. Uh, it, it, 
additional luggage if you need additional luggage just bring it along that's fine um so they offer all these things at a a much less expensive price than you get from the major carriers and i i just find that very refreshing those are the types of things i want to see i want to see better service for for the same or less money and uh they've evidently found a few ways that they can minimize the government footprint at least on your air travel and it's a hassle i mean i i used to i I wouldn't say there was a time when i loved to fly yeah it was fun when i was a little kid right and then after i flew hundreds of thousands of miles it was less fun uh and then 9-11 happened and then it was no longer fun at all um not for fear for my life, which one would think that that would be a reason to not enjoy air travel. Um, but it, it became apparent real quickly that none of these, none of this insanity they were putting me through had anything to do with keeping me safe. The first, it was about exerting their control over me. The first time I flew on an airplane, I was 1989. I was nine years old. I went out to see my mom. It was a DC 10. This thing mm-hmm. was huge. Right. You know, from Boston to the old Stapleton airport in Denver, and I asked the stewardess, or the wait, uh, stewardess, I guess is what they are. Uh, hey, uh, we want to check out. Actually, it was my little brother, I think, who asked. He was really into like flying games. Yeah. And he's a guy who does all the drones now. And uh, they actually let us go sit in the, in the cockpit, and they had like this seat that plopped down. We were little kids, yeah, and they're, they're like, seat. and we both sat in a seat, and we both wear the seatbelt, and for about. A half an hour. Right. And those those pilot, that pilot and the other guy, they were telling us what all the buttons were for, and they just had a blast. Right. And, like, those dudes would lose their job if they even <laughs> thought about doing that today, you know? They couldn't. They absolutely couldn't. And it's insane. Um, 9-11, all the response of the TSA since 9-11 has not made us safer. It's made us a laughing stock. And if you look at other countries, you can look at... Uh, European countries, a lot of them adopted a lot of the same standards, but a lot of times, uh, particularly in the Far East and in the Middle East, they still rely on just judging a person when they walk up. And did they act nervous? Did they act? Did they act suspicious? Um, but in in America, we can't talk about those things because, God forbid, now you're profiling. Um, what they're really trying to do is keep us safe. And everybody's nervous that they're going to get anal probed. Right. When they go through TSA. Uh, yeah, I, it's insane. And why would why would anyone willingly uh, expose themselves to that? We're going to go to the phones. We've got David in New Mexico listening on the TuneIn app. Uh, David, you're on Free Talk Live. David, hey. you there? Go ahead. Yeah, you there? I am. The, the, uh, that's how I was just going to say to you, when you brought up that DC-10, I used to commute back and forth to work. And sometimes I deadhead, not deadhead, but uh, I guess deadhead on a, a DC-10. And you, if you were a kid in the cockpit, you were probably sitting in the jump seat. And the, literally the best seat in the whole airplane is, is not the, the captain or co-pilot seat. It's the jump seat immediately behind the captain because you, you sit a little bit higher than the captain and you sit closer to the window. And the window, is, the window by the jump seat is, is bigger than the one next to the, next to the pilot's. And so you got the best the best seat in the in the whole airplane, the best seat, uh, best view. It's pretty cool. It was very cool. I was I was flying so much that I pretty much well I I definitely knew because then apps came out for it. But 
what seats on what aircraft offered the best legroom. Uh, my mm-hmm. favorite one ever was uh, on a 747. I want to say it was a 46A or 46B. If you ever got a 747, which was rare, but occasionally we got them between uh, San Francisco and, and D.C. area airports, occasionally want to be moving that way. Um, but it's where the tail you know, really curves in at the back of the plane, and you mm-hmm. literally had about four or five feet <laughs> off to one side. Like if you wanted to just stretch out, if you wanted to have yeah, right. all your your briefcase, all your electronics out, it just didn't matter. It was literally like three or four feet before you even encountered a, a bulkhead. It was great. That's why I like to buy the yeah. uh, emergency aisle uh, right. tickets. And a lot of and it's interesting that that people will I mean they'll pay for that you know, they may nobody's going to pay for first class because I don't know who pays for first class uh, uh, government does all government employees fly first class I never flew. literally well no well in some like my father's case he'd always fly business for his work but a lot of the times if you're a frequent flyer or one of her programs you they get upgrade, the free they upgrade yeah. you yeah yeah you get the free bumps and those I'd always take. Um, but I'd never pay for that. And I, I know my company would never pay for it, but they did used to spring for like economy plus and things like that. But the point is, is these are all different options that people are willing to pay different amounts of money for. And, and that's what happens when you don't have things being centrally planned. The idea for economy plus came up out of, you know, some marketing group said, Hey, let's do this. Let's see some makes sense. The market supports it, and and now you can fly that, or you can fly a business class on almost any flight, and those are just solutions. So, what'd you yeah, call up about, David? About, well, calling about the government and some pretty interesting stuff um, that that actually was prompted by Jay was talking about something at the beginning of the program about socialism, and it was uh, I was going to call about that, and this this is kind of adds on to that. But quickly, first on your on the aviation thing, there's the uh, uh, federal aviation regulations, the, the major carriers, they have to follow the regulations of Part 121. And the smaller airlines, the ones that have uh, the little regional aircraft, they can use Part 135 along with charter operators use Part 135. And then uh, corporate aircraft and private pilots and everything, everybody else follows Part 91. So as long as you follow the regulations of either Part 91, Part 135, or Part 121, you can do whatever you want. Um, within those regulations, and so the thing what you were describing um, is is entirely possible. There's a there's a few little hiccups there, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a good model. Um, on the government thing, you were saying that uh, socialism. You're talking about the financial aspect, the money aspect of it. Uh, that uh, you know, eventually, you know, the government keeps getting bigger and bigger and more controlling and gobbling up more and more of the money and printing fake, worthless money and and dumping it into the economy. But but it's not just money that they go after. They do the same thing with uh, you know with every different other kind of power and control. And I know you know that you just didn't explicitly state it. Um, and uh, you know, like for instance, my issue has been my kids. But another big issue is is guns. You know, the Second Amendment. And so this is where I tie in with some other probably more interesting news. Oh, first of all, my 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 assessment of of government is that that uh, yeah, it's self limiting. Like you were saying, at some point. It collapses. Um, it, it goes on and on. It goes up. It goes down. It, and and at some point it collapses. And, and actually, it, it it's uh, you know we we may not collapse or we might collapse in the near future, meaning in the next you know couple of years, couple of decades. We can only century, hope. Whatever. That's.
This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And uh, we've been all over the board. Like we're all over the board every night, we talk about lots of different subjects. We like to talk about things that spur your questions. And you may have time to get in before we wrap it up for tonight. Um, but Vincent, one thing we talked about earlier was Venezuela's new, I, I, I guess we were questioning whether to call him a strong man because he hasn't demonstrated a lot of strength other than uh, a willingness to become the next dictator for life of Venezuela. I mean, he looks like sort of the, like a, a skinny Silicon Valley nerd bully type. He does sort of. So, is the via what's the Mark Zuckerberg vibe? That's right. <laughs> Here's what I don't what I don't get about this. I was listening to that podcast by uh, Vin and Dave Butler. I forget Vin's last name. Uh, Armani. Armani. That's right. Yep. I forget what the podcast is called. Do you remember? Not off the top of my well, head. Well, anyways, but... it's a weekly podcast and it broadcasts on LRN.FM. Yep. Uh, so, anyways, basically, what had Vin had said, and, and I was listening to this today while I was plowing snow, is this guy basically got like control of all the sicko accounts. He got control of all the money that the United States was able to get a hold of through banking, whatever. Uh, and allegedly, he's still like in Venezuela doing stuff or whatever. Now, okay. if the Chinese government had said, okay, Jay Noon, you're now the president of the United States of America, and we seize all the assets that were in our banks and uh, all the other banks that we control around the world, and we gave them to you. Would, would you take that job? Well, let's just say they even did it. Okay. They would be kicking in the door at a studio before the show was, o- show was over and hauling me and all you guys away just of because course. you're accomplices. So, well, they could try, but you know, I'd prove So, so, so. <laughs> you're young. Who knows? But I can, one thing I can tell you is everything the media tells us and everything the government says is happening is absolute lies and, and BS. Uh, just everything I've been told, I found out everything I've been told and taught from school, from you know, um, government from mainstream media. I mean, if there's a pharmaceutical or a U.S. military recruiting advertisement uh, on that television show, uh, their content is garbage as far as I'm concerned. Well, watch it, Jay. You sound like one of those conspiracy theorists. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm sure there's more than two people involved. So that's all it takes for a theory for me. That's that's, that's what I say when people throw that that, that garbage non-argument at me. I always say, hey, it's a conspiracy, but it ain't a theory. Right, and we've we have a long and rich history of conspiracy quote unquote theories that turn out to be true. I mean, the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, what what did we? How did we get pulled into Vietnam? How did we get pulled into World War II? How did we get pulled into Iraq and Afghanistan and the war on terror. Right. How are we getting pulled into Venezuela now? Right. Well, and just as a historical anecdote, I forget what it was called, but it's an official conspiracy of the uh, officers of the Continental Army when back when this, the United States was under the Articles of Confederation, there was issues with paying the Continental Army. So a group right. of officers got together. And, you know, people probably heard it. The, the, a group of officers and Federalist politicians got together. And, you know, the same party that passed the Alien and Sedition Act, they got together and they said, look, 
to to the I learned this in college, so it's not like this is you know from some podcast or whatever. I learned this in a college course. So we do need that, to fact check it. That the the Continental Army officers, in exchange for whatever, I guess, in exchange for eventually getting paid, they threatened to mutiny, and that's where everyone heard the story of George Washington. You know, he addresses the officers of conspiracy. He puts on his glasses and reads a speech, and they're all so touched they decide not to march on Washington. Right. Well, the whole thing was a fear tactic in order to get Congress to decide to hold a uh, or not Congress, but you know to get the the new country to to have a constitutional convention. So they then put remove the Articles of Confederation, put in the Constitution that we know today. So the government has the direct power to tax. The Continental Army gets paid, and so the Bill of Rights was made. It was. It was like not the I guess the antidote towards the Constitution because the uh, people who cared about freedom, not the the anti-federalists or whatever they were called, they were so shocked by the Constitution that they felt they needed to put in the Bill of Rights to say we're keeping the guns, we're keeping the free speech and freedom of religion. So the sure. whole this whole government was founded off a conspiracy and threat of martial law. Yeah, and uh, and if you're wondering why they were rioting, it was because their money was worthless. Uh, that was one of the first examples of the U.S. U.S. coin once we started a, our own country, and it it was under the Articles of Confederation. Uh, you've heard the phrase "not worth a continental." That's because they had the continental dollar. The continental dollar wasn't backed by any precious metal. It was simply printed because they had to figure out some way to pay for that ridiculously expensive war they just had with Great Britain. So it was uh, one of it was our country's first real big experiment with money printing, and it went horribly wrong. Um, so as we got the Constitution, then you got power granted only to Congress to print money, uh, to coin money, I should say, which they gave up uh, just a hundred or so years later and gave to the Federal Reserve. Absolutely, 1913 was a very bad year. I'm going to start saying, not worth a Federal Reserve note. <laughs> <laughs> you should, right? Yeah, right. That's and uh, excellent explanation on that. That was uh, really yeah. good. I like that. Thank you. My degree is worth something, I guess. Well, it's not even for my 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 major. I just had to take the course. But yeah, it was a very good course. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, and and we've had many many examples of this, and people will get up in arms, and people will start to get upset, and then governments always have the the two perfect solutions. You know what I mean? It, it just it sort of addresses all their concerns and hollow it, points and Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> it addresses all their concerns and it makes it all palatable and and just trust us, we'll implement it exactly the way we say we're going to do it. But in reality, it it rarely ends up that way, and that's a shame. And uh, that's that's why people remain conspiracy minded because they've been kind of hosed too many times. Uh, by the same government that says we're going to do exactly what you want. We're not going to lie to you about it, but they do over and over and over again. Yep. My whole life <laughs> and your whole life. Yours too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my parents' lives. Yeah. I just, I was thinking about that. You know, my, my father, you know, was kind of born into the great depression. So he was born in 1928, but growing up, you know, being four or five or six, you know, in 1934, 1935, 1936, I mean, and they were told all the same, you know, basically the Ocasio-Cortez talking points. If if we spend all this money, if we spend 
all this money on infrastructure, then it will be, you know, land of plenty for everyone. But it didn't work out that way. The Great Depression, you know, which could have ended in the early 30s because it was cyclical. It was an inevitability of the central bank manipulation that occurred after the crash. Um, It could have ended very quickly, but it didn't end until we got out of World War II, until 1945. I mean, that's really when things started to change. And that was through the introduction of massive amounts of capital in the form of human capital in form of uh, returning troops. And, and, you know, these old timers that uh, grew up, they're like, you know, they were children during World War II or born shortly after World War II. Like my, um, my stepfather's father, uh, he is uh, 72. And a couple of years ago when I was working out in Colorado, he's like, this country needs another major war. We need a World War Two to get things straightened out. And he like, yeah, he's like, everybody was poor, and then World War Two came along, and we all had jobs, and everything was going along, and blah blah blah. He had blah. all that afterwards. That's what I mean. Yeah. Because of World War Two, he 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 was really believes he, he bought into that. that, and he still believes that till this day. Yeah, uh, that is the ultimate uh, Brainwash. Bro- broke broken window uh, fallacy right there too. I mean. If if the government, if if society becomes greater and richer because you've decimated an entire continent, uh, man, what are we going to get when we uh, start getting some nukes flying all over? Can you imagine how many broken windows there'll be? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be melted back into glass beads. Exactly. Um, well, that'll be great for the glass makers, Ben. you got to start thinking about mo- money policy here. It's modern, modern monetary, po- <laughs> monetary policy. This is this is going to be big, go it, boys. It's going to be huge. We're going to uh, we're going to break all the glass everywhere. I know glass blowers are going to be making flat panes of glass for the first time. If, am I the only one who's uh, declared myself to be unwilling to work, or is anybody no, else? No, I'm gone good. I, I'm I'm a total neat. I'm a total hikimori, as the Japanese will call it. I'm just going to live with my parents, collect my checks. That's why Ocasio Cortez 2020. Let's make it happen, people. I want to play video games every day. I, I enjoy work. I love it. I know you do, Jay. And we're just kidding. But that's all the time we have for you tonight. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And please tune back in. Over 200 stations coast to coast. We're available on satellite. We're available on the internet. 855-450-3733 if you want to call. We'd like to invite you to visit freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.